All right, we'll, um, I just looked at something this little bit, and uh, I want to go to the Psalms, <clears throat> and uh, turn to the 73rd Psalm, and pray the Lord will help us. Tonight I have gone through this thought many times, and someone has brought it to my attention recently, reminding me. Uh, of that, um, but this is not an uncommon uh, what the psalmist uh, is going through here is not an uncommon uh, thing that uh, uh, many people have gone through this very thing and um, and so it 's a very common uh, problem that we have uh, the flesh obviously uh, the mind and thinking uh, about too much. Uh, but uh, of course it's a very familiar psalm but um, so I won't give you anything new or anything too deep but just some just some thoughts through this psalmist that uh, has pondered these many truths and uh, so we'll we'll just uh, probably going to try to read the whole chapter uh, if we can Lord willing and we'll start in the 73rd psalm and verse number one the Bible says truly God is good to Israel and thank the Lord for that. Uh, truly God is good uh, to Israel. That's a great truth. But uh, I can also say that truly God is good to me. And truly God, I thought about just a couple of these things. Truly God not was good, but is good to our church. And truly God is good to the church. Uh, God is good. And that's, that's a good, that's a better thought to meditate on. Uh, than what he gets himself lost in a little bit, and God helps him to see better. Uh, but we need to keep our thoughts and minds. We can avoid, actually, the problems that he begins to see a little bit. And I think that's where the New Testament begins to exhort us to cast down imaginations, uh, because we imagine vain things, things that aren't so, but they seem so, and we can't understand them. Uh, and so it would be better for us to just stop in the halfway through verse number one and just say, truly God is good, right? And truly we have no complaints from, that we can make against our God. Uh, a lot of things we could say about the world and about others and about all kinds of situations, uh, but nobody has a, has a, uh, a, a true complaint against the goodness of God. We've all gotten better than we deserved. We've all not gotten and been rewarded according to our iniquities. Truly God is good. And that's, that's a good thought to just keep your mind dwelling on. Say, well, this situation doesn't seem good. I have always come out the other side of rough situations and still come to the other side saying, truly God is good. And uh, though I don't understand it beforehand, I uh, often see it uh, either through the midst of it or on the other end. I'm able to say, you know what? Truly God is good. He knew exactly what he was doing. This is exactly what I needed. Truly God is good. Now, truly, did, I can't say truly it didn't hurt or truly it didn't cause me a lot of sleepless night, but truly God is good, right? Working all things together for Good to them that love the Lord, right? Called according to his purpose. So truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And say, well, I don't have a clean heart. Well, I'm not trying to 
puff anybody up here. Um, but the Bible said that he was going to give you a new heart. If you're saved, you got a clean heart. God took out your stony heart and replaced it with a heart of flesh. And God is good to his people, right? And uh, those that are such of a clean heart. And so then, uh, this is funny to me. I don't, I don't know how he, I, I identify a lot with these. You know, just in one chapter, he goes from this great positive thinking. I mean, anybody seen a problem yet? Truly, God is good to Israel. Um, uh, even to those that have a clean heart. Um, then he comes to the, sec- the second verse. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had nigh well slipped. Uh, for I was envious at the foolish. And um, boy, I still can't get that off my mind, that boy saying that. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but that young preacher, uh, that envy will not show you what you have. And so that's what he's looking at here. He's not concentrating uh, on, it's, it's almost like, uh, to me, a little bit. Now, this is what I think. I'm just going to, though it seems scattered. It seems like he wrote verse number one with an understanding already, uh, as not in the chronological order of how things happen necessarily. Uh, but uh, truly, God is good to Israel. Uh, but as for me, uh, my feet were almost gone. Uh, so he's not saying, but as for me, God wasn't good to me, right? You almost get that feeling. But as for me, uh, God is good. But as for me, uh, here's what my situation. My feet were almost gone. My steps had not well slipped. And what caused this this very near destruction, I think things like this often get overlooked, but uh, we focus sometimes on things such as, uh, take for instance, David's sin with Bathsheba, you know, uh, the wife of Uriah, the Bible calls her. Uh, he almost went under over that, surely we see in the Psalm and his repentance, it nearly, it's too heavy for me, it almost overtook him. Uh, an innocent man losing his life and all the destruction David caused in numbering the people. That was a great sin. Um, all the various things like that, and those are the ones we seem to kind of focus on. And, but here's a man that said, but for me, uh, here's what happened to me. I, my feet were almost gone. My steps had not well slipped. What happened to you? Uh, did you, did you, did you commit an adulterous affair? Uh, no. Did you go out and get drunk? No. Uh, and those things would cause you to, your, your feet to almost be gone and your steps to slip, would they not? But I'm just saying, so what happened here? And he said, verse number three, I was envious at the foolish. And uh, I don't know who has not had a thought, an, un, an improper, an ungodly thought that it is, but I don't know any Christian that's lived for the Lord any amount of time that could not share in this same reflection of why is it, and, and call one of the greatest uh, memories of my life, I went to, um, I went with Brother Blue down to uh, Camp Zion where Brother Percy Ray was, and he was down there at the camp, and uh, they let him preach, and he, he, he uh, preached a message on why good people suffer. It's a related thought. Why do, why, do good th- why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to, uh, uh, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? You know, if God is who he says he is, why does this happen? Anybody ever been there? I thought that many a times. I struggled with it before I got saved even. 
You know, how could such a holy and righteous God allow this to happen? And thoughts like that happen to people. I've even had them after I've been saved. Why, why is it, Lord, we're trying to stand for the King James Bible? Do you believe the King James Bible is the Word of God for English-speaking people today? I do. Well, what about this church over here? They use a different version of the Bible and people make professions and the building's blowing out the top and you know the thing. You know what I'm talking about. You look out there and you see the parking lots are full and, and uh, people seem pretty happy, you know. And it's like, God, we're trying to live right. We're trying to live holy. We're trying to, we're trying to witness to people. We're trying to support missions. We're trying to follow the Bible as close as we humanly possibly can. Uh, and it seems like it's killing us to do so. <laughs> Anybody encouraged yet? Doing my best. And all of us have those thoughts. I mean, I, I, maybe some don't, but it's a pretty common thoughts to have. You know, why is it then uh, that these things happen? I, I've thought of that recently. I've had a thought come to my mind, a certain ministry uh, that just, it, it absolutely blows my mind at the things that go on and the things that they believe, even the independent Baptist and uh, I'm not talking about recovering ones. I'm talking about independent fundamental Baptists. They claim to be a name. And, and I think, man, they just seem to blow out the top. They run thousands of members, Brother Jones, and just uh, seem to just do fine. God doesn't ever seem to, you know, don't, don't seem to, do people bother you like that? The, the Joel's things of this world drive me insane. They're always happy and always just everything right. I'm like, why don't you have a bad day every now and then and live where I live, you know? And, uh, and so you look at him and you think, well, has anybody ever had this thought? Maybe I'm wrong. Have I ever thought like that? Maybe we're wrong. And what we're doing is looking at the results and judging God by what we think the proper results should be, right? Well, um, seeming success in this world doesn't mean God's approval's on it, right? And what does God measure success by anyway? And so we know those things, but you can't help but to think like, uh, like this man. He was envious at the foolish. So, so what he was doing, really, he was looking at that crowd and saying, I want what they have, and it's not fair, God, that I have this situation, and they get that one, right? They were, they were envious at whatever crowd it is that you're talking about, that you're looking at. You, you, really, it boils it down to envy. You're envious at the results that they're able to enjoy while God's, uh, what you feel like God's dealt with you in that measure of life uh, to live that way. And you, you almost, if you're not careful, will get angry with God about it. God, it's not fair. You let them do this. And this is what's going on in this psalm. They said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I don't think anybody is envious. They go down through a ghetto somewhere and people are, you know, struggling with that aspect of life and nobody drives by and goes, boy, I wish I had what they had. Well, I wish I had a single home. I wish I, I wish my uh, parents were both on, um, you know, drugs and, uh, you know, I was having to live off the government and, and nobody cared for my soul. Nobody takes me to church. Nobody's envious at their situation, right? But he, so he's particularly talking about a certain group of wicked. It's, it's the wicked that seem to prosper. And he, he just gets his eyes over there. I want the prosperity they're able to enjoy. That's what, he, that's what he's thinking. I, he looks at the situation of people that are not doing right, and he is envious at their prosperity. Now, if he, he does eventually, but if he would see it all the way through, he, he finally gets to a place where he understands, but he's not, he, he, is, he would not be envious if he took them as a whole. 
yeah, you're envious of their prosperity, but there's a whole lot of other things involved in that individual's life. So you certainly don't want to trade places with the wicked, do you? Just to enjoy their prosperity. And I don't think he's saying that, but he certainly was envious of it. He certainly wanted God to prosper him like he had prospered them. That's, I think that's the clear picture of what is, he's, he's saying. It's not that I want to be wicked, though he dabbles in that a little bit here in just a minute. He, it's not that I want to be wicked. It's just that I want to enjoy the prosperity they are. That's where he gets confused. So he says, for I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now he gives a list of what I guess he's referencing as prosperity. I'm just trying to think of this practically. In his mind, I'm assuming these next verses are giving us a clear picture of what he means when he says, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I don't think it's always money. Right? A lot of people look at, uh, look at others and, and, and it could be money. Maybe you look at Bill Gates and there's obviously a wicked man. Doesn't love God, doesn't serve God. I'd I, I be more than, more than probably assured that he's not tithing to a local church or giving to missions. Would that be fair to say? And so someone might look at him and be envious. Well, God, I'm trying to do right. Why wouldn't you not give me his money? If you would give me that money, I'd give to missions. I'd support the church. I would do this. I would help people and I would do that. Well, you may or may not. I don't know. But that's uh, not always the case. Here's the prosperity that he's speaking of. There are no bands in their death. It's a lot more practical. Uh, I, don't think his, I don't think he's unreasonable. I think he's just having a normal thought of things that just practical situations in his life. And he starts out with his, one of the first things he mentions, which is generally the most, probably the most important, I guess, is what the first, uh, it was something that would be bothering me. I would normally mention it pretty much first. But he says in verse number four, there's no bands in their death. This word bands means pains. There's no pains in their death. And I thought to myself, but their strength is firm. And so we make this application, and I know it's true. Uh, I have seen it firsthand. I know it's true. But we make this application, and you've heard it said, saved people don't die like lost people do. And that's exactly right. Lost people die differently than saved people do. We're able to, to are not as others that have no hope. But it's not always true that they go out and die screaming, oh God, I'm burning in hell. I've heard people dying that way that were lost. But not all of them do. And so maybe he has witnessed a man that's, uh, uh, you know, just for instance, he's uh, known him and he's been a wicked person. And, and it seems like ba the basic gist of the idea is it doesn't seem like they suffer in proportion to their wickedness. Right? They, seem to, they seem to do pretty good all their life. And even when they die, they just die. I know some lost people that didn't just, you know, suffer immensely when they died. They just died like everybody else. So I think he looks at that and he thinks, and maybe he had seen a situation where, where maybe someone that was righteous maybe had a very painful death. That also happens. Uh, you know, they have a very drawn out death, a very long struggle with, uh, with various physical things. It doesn't say that we don't sorrow, but we don't sorrow as others that have no hope. Right? 
And so, I, I don't know, I'm just thinking through, so maybe he's, maybe a, situ, a certain situation like that has caused him to see some things. Maybe, and maybe that's what, maybe somebody in his life that he really loved uh, died in a different manner. Maybe some wicked man passed away and he seemed to go pretty good. And uh, maybe that's what just got in his mind thinking that, well, why is that fair? This person served God all their life. They lived right. They do right. And they don't, they seem to suffer immensely. And this person over here, they seem to never suffer at all. They just, you know, they're just hips, uh, uh, just skipping down the aisles, just ready to, like nothing's ever wrong with them. And then they go to die and they just fall asleep and die in the middle of the night. Maybe that's a particular situation he's dealt with. I, I don't know. Uh, and I don't pretend to understand that. But I can say just in general application for us, it seems like there is a, 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 an idea behind what he's saying is that their, their strength remains firm pretty much to the end. I mean, they, they, uh, they don't seem to suffer even in the end proportional to the way that they, li- that they lived. And sometimes that happens, but I can say this, when, he, when, when the wicked awake in judgment... You don't get to see that part, see. That's why why we got to be careful of. uh, Because you might have seen them go out okay. I guarantee you when they woke up and they lifted their eyes in hell being in torments, they weren't okay. And I guarantee you their strength wasn't firm then. And so, you know, he just messed up in his thinking a little bit. And I'm telling you, that happens to us more more often than not. And in verse number five, he, uh, you young people have to uh, think about this too. A lot of times you'll see these things happen. You'll, you'll sit here and you'll have church fights and battles and, and fighting against the devil. And, and it just seemed like a constant warfare, a battle in your flesh and, and battling all kinds of principalities and powers and, and all those things that we, uh, that we are called to engage in. And you'll go to school and you'll see your buddies. They seem to do pretty good. They get drunk on Friday night. They get drunk on Saturday night and they skip church Sunday and they come to school on Monday just like everything's going hunky-dory. And you spent most of your weekend fighting. And it's like, God, throw me a little bone here. You ever had that idea? And so you uh, can empathize with what this man's going through. He goes on to verse number five. He says, they are not in trouble as other men. Now, I don't know about that. Can I say something a lot of times the devil will do? I'm not saying this is what's happening here. I'm just going to tell you this is a fact. A lot of times the the enemy will magnify a problem in your mind greater than it is. And I am subject to that more than anybody. I know what I'm talking about with that. And you'll have the entire community ready to stomp down your door, the front of your door, and skin you alive before you can ever go to sleep at night. Over a bunch of imaginations, and probably there's not one person mad at you. That's how, the, that's how powerful our enemy is now. And a lot of it is imaginations because you can't say that wicked men are not in trouble as other men. I mean, sufficient for the days, the evil thereof. I mean, everybody goes through troubles. I I mean, I I think it's almost like he's looking at it and it's like, well, uh, they're not in trouble as other men. Well, sure they are. Everybody has problems, do they not? Even wicked people have problems. So it's almost like he's just, you can tell he's just not seeing things right. It's just, there's no way that that's true. 
Wicked people have trouble just like everybody else. But you ever notice that? You start getting real. When you start looking at things and it's like, I've got it worse than everybody else. They're doing fine. Well, that's a pretty general statement. I I don't know that we could, I, I don't have a video camera following their life, but I've got a pretty good idea. Life's not going fine for wicked people. Now, I don't know in what time it will happen, uh, but the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro in this earth, and they behold the good and the bad. And God is not a God who lets people buy with evil, right? Even in this life. And so, uh, but I have been there to the place where I sit there and then I'll overgeneralize, they're doing fine. Well, I'd say if I, if I went home with them, I'd realize they're not doing as fine as you might think they are. And uh, so he said they're not in any trouble as other men. They're, they're not plagued like other men. Sometimes, maybe that may be true, but most of the time it's not. It seems like there's just an, a lot of imaginations and, and, and overgeneralizations that are going on there. Uh, that's how he's seeing things here. And look at verse number six. Therefore, pride can passeth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. He is... Uh, they're... they're generally speaking, doing so well that they pretty much walk around just proud of their wickedness. Is that not true? I have to live my whole life nearly in shame of even thinking about doing something wrong. I'm certainly not proud of what I am. Right? As a Christian, we sang that song this morning, but by grace, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so it seems unfair. You know, they get to walk around just as proud and just uh, uh, life's doing fine. I'm doing good. And uh, yeah, I've ripped off four or five people. And yeah, I've uh, committed all these adulterous affairs and sins and fornications and idolatries. And, and uh, God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. I seem to be doing fine. And they walk around in great pride about it almost. They're almost proud. You know, I mean, you couldn't picture uh, if you not uh, look at uh, in our day, this, uh, this uh, 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 cross dress movement and all that stuff. I mean, the, the, there's, there's men and, that, and they dress that way and they, they, they uh, are committing abomination and wearing those clothes uh, that a woman should be wearing and they're cross-dressing in that manner. And th- they're some of the most proudest people you ever met and, and meet in your life. I'm proud that uh, I am super proud of myself. In fact, uh, um, um, we'll give them a woman or man of the year awards. The mental patients are running the asylum or whatever it is. But they're proud of it. They're not ashamed of it. They don't seem to... How many of you have done things you're ashamed of? And man, it takes weeks that you just... It's, you, Brother Reed, I've done some things sometimes. It, it doesn't... I mean, uh, just even unintentionally or, or in, intentionally or just, just done things. And man, it takes me... Even though I know God's forgiven me, the person's forgiven me, you know, the situation's fine. It takes you a while to just... You're just kind of ashamed of what you've done. How could I be that dumb? You know, why'd I do that? They don't. They just do it and you can just like it or lump it, bump it or jump it. And they just seem to do good. And it's making this man mad about it. He's mad about it. Maybe he's not mad, but I'm kind of, if this was me, I'd be a little mad. And uh, so 
he goes on, verse number seven, and violence covereth them as a garment. And verse number seven, he says, their eyes stand out with fatness. I really don't appreciate these words. That must be one of the unfortunate renderings. I wonder if Mr. Dahan would correct that one for me, Brother Jones. It's fatness. Anyway, their eyes stand out with fatness, and that, that just means they're prosperous in what they do. They're, they're, they're so full, their eyes are standing up. They're very prosperous even financially. They do well. Uh, um, just think of the billionaires of this world. I guarantee you that you won't find one independent fundamental Baptist in the crowd, right? And... Um, and that's got him upset, you know, and they're making all this money. And not only, if I do get ahead just a little bit, I got a tithe on it. I can't even get $100 raised, I got to get 10 of it back. That seems like the attitude this man's having right now. He's having a bad day. And, uh, and then on top of that, somebody might find out I didn't give demissions. I got to give demissions too, you know. He just, he's having one of them days. That's a bad attitude, by the way. I'm not excusing that. I'm just giving an example of where I feel like this fellow's at. And if you've not been there, you probably will to one degree or another. And their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. Now, if you really think about it and stop, I want you to think about this being your wife or your husband. Or one of your children or a close friend. You know, you'd step back and be looking at them going... Well, you are, what are you, you're not even thinking right. What are you talking about? Do you really think that having a bunch of money more than you can wish is going to help you? You know better than that. <laughs> That's how I would be. You know, go home, take, get some melatonin, go to sleep. And, you know, you're just not even thinking right. You know better than what you're saying. That's, that's, that's pretty much my counsel would be. Because any Christian knows that's silly, right? If, going over here, and, and if God gave you, you know, all these billions of dollars that this wicked man has, uh, it would, that might be the very thing that would destroy your life. That might be the very thing that, that turns you away from God. Why would you need to come to church? Why would you need to give to missions and so that God would meet those needs? And the time, and you, I mean, you've got all that your heart could ever wish for. God doesn't want you to get to a place where you have more than your heart could wish for because that's where God feels in. God, God wants there to be a void that he can fill, right? That's how pitiful our flesh is. If, if God down here in the flesh rewarded us and gave us all that we have in store for, that he has in store for us now, our flesh is so weak, we'd be so satisfied, we'd walk away from him. He can't even bless us like he wants to. He will one day though. And so they, their eyes and they, they, they have more than they could wish. In verse number 80, now he's dealing with their speech. He's dealt with their spending. And he's, now he's uh, just really thinking this through. He, you know one thing, if you think about this man, he has spent way too long with his eyes on people. Has he not? He's looking at how much money they got, how much money they spend, He's talked about, now, now he's about to talk about, uh, look at their pride. Look how proud they walk around and carry themselves. They don't have any trouble in their life. It looks like even when they die, they're fine. Who's got time to sit there and look through all that? You spent way too much time with your eyes on people. Get your eyes back on the Lord when you start thinking like that. Let's look now what he's talking about. 
their speech even. Now he's listening to what they have to say. They, they are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. These are, these are the kind of people uh, in verse number 8 uh, that they, they, they can talk in oppressive manners to you and they're very proud of it. They do it very loftily. As Christians, we try with our words to do everything that we can as to not offend each other, right? It's a labor to watch your speech so that you don't hurt people. A very difficult one that none of us have mastered. But we try as Christians. I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt you unnecessarily. Now, if preaching the Bible hurts you and, telling, and, and tells you not to expose your breasts and thighs out to the world hurts you, then you just have to be hurt. If telling you uh, to get envy out of your heart hurts you, you just have to be hurt. Right? I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, you know, and generally speaking, we try to do everything we can not to hurt people. And uh, well, some people do, some may not, but God will help them to get better at that. God's got his ways to help people with their smart mouth. And, uh, but it, uh, even in the, in the lost world, he's saying, look, uh, these people, they don't care how bad they hurt you. They'll say anything to you. Anybody have any experience with that? I, all you got to do is go out here, boys. Uh, can you uh, witness to this? Go out here and sign up for football. Miss Addison, have you had coaches come, come to you and say, now listen, Addison. I just want you to know I'm so proud of you, but you kind of messed up right here. I want you to do a little better. No, they're going to go, hey, you're an idiot. Get over here and do what you know better than this. And they're going to scream at you. You know, that's how the, the world is. Well, I mean, I'm an idiot. They just speak in an oppressive manner and they don't care how it hurts you. That's, that's the way the world talks. If I did that, God would not let me by with that. You can't do that. As a Christian, you can't do that. And uh, like I said, God's got his ways of teaching you not to do that. God loves his sheep. And you think he's happy when we hurt one? Oh, no. And speech I have found to be the harshest, the most brutal weapon that we have. And I'm using weapons and not in the sense of a biblical term. I just mean a man can punch you and it'll heal, but he can wound you deeply with words. And so that's why God's so careful about that. He talks about that in connection even uh, over there in Ephesians with grieving the Holy Ghost and, and, and clamor and all those things. And so anyway, so he, he gets to their speech. He said, I'm, you know, sometimes uh, I just like to be able to say what I want to and just, they get by with it. Well, they might seem to for now. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. <laughs> Verse number nine, they set their mouth against the heavens even. You know, when they, when they run their mouth, they don't even care what God thinks about it. You know, one of the first things I think, at least afterwards when I say things, there's always a thought, Brother Reed comes back on my mind and think, I wonder how they perceived it. But then I also go back and think, boy, I wonder what God thinks about that. And uh, do you think a Christian sitting, uh, a lost man sitting there and your boss cusses you out one day? Can I wake you all up to something? If you get a job out here in this world, you're going to have to learn how to deal with worldly people. Amen. You're going to get cussed on the job. They're going to yell at you, belittle you. It's not even going to be your fault. That's just, it's a, it's a rough world. Am I telling it right? And uh, you know how much they care about what your God thinks about how they're treating you? They could care less about that. Right? 
Now, if you've got a Christian boss, maybe. And he's getting mad at this. He said, you know, they set their, tongue, their mouths even against heaven and their tongue walks through the earth. They just, they're freely able to just say whatever they want to say and nobody bothers them. And I can't even think about saying something wrong and God don't deal with me. That's what he's thinking. It's not fair. Verse number nine, they said their mouth is heaven, their tongue. Verse number 10, rather. Therefore, people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. Verse number 10. And what he's saying here is his people return hither. I think he's, this is my opinion now, but I think he's talking about they come hither to these thoughts. Therefore, a, a, a Christians oftentimes come to these very same thoughts together. They, they come hither to this and they think about all these things. Why do they get by with this? Why does God not let me? And they just, they go through all these things and they almost seem like this isn't fair. And then if they're not careful, uh, uh, they won't be like Job who never sinned with his lips and never charged God foolishly. They'll make a big mistake and they'll get mad at God. God, this isn't fair. And uh, um, listen, hey, I'm telling you as your pastor, I've been very close to this same thing. Same thing. You will come, the devil will put thoughts into your mind at some point that God is not fair to you. He's better to, to wicked people than he is to you. That's the thoughts that he'll put into your brain. And so they return hither, and, and, and this is, now I have, I have toyed with the idea, but that's not the message, and i got to hurry. Uh, but uh, um, maybe you can look this up. Uh, they, some felt that this was talking about um, how this is just, they can do nothing about it. Uh, that this is just this, this uh, all these facts. Uh, it's like this bitter cup that's being run out under them, and they just can't do nothing about it. They just have to drink it. I'm not exactly sure that's what that's saying, but it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. That's the frustration. It's like, look, these people get to do all this stuff, and, I, and here is my situation, and I just have to deal with it. Suck it up, big boy. Put your big boy britches on. That, that's, that's what I get told. But what about these people? Well, what about, uh, well, Lord, what about John? Lord, what about this one? Do you think that's some of the same stuff? Well, you're telling me this. What about this one? That's what they start doing. Well, here's my situation in life, but what about this one? This isn't fair. I'm just, I, just, I don't have a choice in the matter. God just, God just unrightfully so rings out this full bitter cup into my mouth and I'm just told I have to drink it. This person over here gets to just enjoy prosperity. Now, does anybody believe that? No. That's not what happens in life. But if you're not careful, that's exactly how your mind will get. And then you know you'll pass being mad at the wicked. You won't just be envious of them. You won't just want something bad to happen to them. You won't just want what they have. And your attention will turn from there and it'll turn to God and you're going to blame God with the entire situation and get better on God. Seen it happen time and time again. And, um, boy, we're all one step away from that. If you sit down and try to look at these things, that's why we have to leave those judgments to God. His ways are past finding out. 
Can I admit to you without hurting anybody's feelings tonight that I don't understand why that happens? I don't understand it, Brother John. I don't know why Brother Reed's foot has to hurt like it does for 20 years. I don't know why Miss Sandra just tried to serve God all of her life. I have no idea. I couldn't explain that if I wanted to. And I, and I do watch people, and all they do is go around and try to hurt people. And they seem to do okay. I can't explain that. I have no explanation for that. And I never would even dare to try. This much I know. True and righteous are thy judgments, O God. When I came to God, I believed that he is, and I believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I know God's character, and I know it's not an unrighteous thing. God will work it all out in the end. So they, some say in verse 10 that he's just saying that they return hither from thinking about all those things and it's like waters of a full cup and talking about many tears are a result of thinking on these things. And that could perfectly be true, no argument there. And then verse number 11, look what he says, and they say, how doth God know and is there knowledge in the most high? See where it's turned to God now? I got looking at the envy. I'm envy of the wicked, the prosperity of the wicked. And now I turn to God and I say, look, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Look at what they're going through. Look at my situation and the things that I deserve. And you know what you're really telling God in essence? I deserve better than this. If you'll, if you'll analyze that thing down, you are telling God that God's made a mistake. You know better than him and you deserve better. That's a dangerous way to think, isn't it? We've got to be real careful about that. And, um, but I think God understands our thinking a lot of times, Brother John. I really do. I, don't, I think sometimes we're harder on ourselves. I think God understands the natural mind and the thoughts. You're trying to figure things out. and Just be careful that we don't charge God foolishly. But um, he may never give you an answer. I, I don't know. He's never given me one, Brother Tony. I don't know why those things happen. I know, I know why good people suffer to a degree. I do know that. Um, but certain situations and things, I, I, I don't know why things happen the way that they do. But he's turned his attention now. It's like he's got something with God. Look, surely there's knowledge, uh, verse number um, 11, and they say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? And so you, you sit here and you think, you know, basically what I feel like they're saying well, maybe God doesn't even know what's going on. I don't know. Maybe there's not even a God there anyway. You think, a, you think a Christian could get to that point where he doubts like that? I know of a missionary, if I said his name, it'd shock you how much you love him. It would shock you. If you knew the stories of doubt that's going on in his life. And wonder so, so hurt so deeply, he wondered if there was even a God. But you know what he found himself doing? Praying to that same God that his mind was in doubt of. He cannot deny himself. And so he got through it. But uh, let me move on quickly because I got just 10 minutes left and we'll, we'll let you go tonight. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. Washed my hands in innocency. What I kind of think he's saying here, the first one's fairly obvious, but 
He says, Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain. None of us have trouble figuring that out. We Basically, he's saying, well, I might as well just go do what they're doing then. Seem to be working pretty good for them. Anybody ever think like that? Might as well quit tithing. They got more money than they can shake a stick at. They don't tithe. Might as well quit giving to missions. They seem to be doing fine without missions given. Might as well quit being faithful to church. I come every time the doors are open and sometimes even get preached at when I don't. And they hardly ever show up. They just float in on Sunday morning and you won't see them again until next Sunday morning. Shame on them, by the way. So I might as well, why don't I just do what they're doing? Why don't I just quit? I just won't be faithful. I'll just come in on Sunday morning, do what I want to if I want to. If I don't want to come, I won't come because it seems to work pretty good for them. (laughs) Anybody ever thought like that? That's kind of what he's saying. He's saying, I, I've cleansed my heart and I've tried, I tried to do right and it's just been vain. It's a waste of time. It's not paying dividends. They're the ones prospering and I'm going bankrupt doing right. That's his mindset. Crazy thinking, isn't it? How could a Christian think like that? <laughs> just live a little longer. And he said, I've washed my hands in innocency. Basically, I think what he's saying there, he's just saying, I kind of was, I was kind of like a little kid that you made go to church. I didn't know any better. But now I've got understanding. I was, I was innocent. I, I assumed there was a God. I assumed this God was righteous. I assumed he was just. And I find out that it looks like that that's not that much true. And so when I, I, guess when I, I guess when I started serving God, I got into this. I was just a kid and I was kind of like an innocency. I, I, I cleaned myself up not knowing any better, but now I know better. And it was a waste of time. Seems to be his attitude. He's getting in bad shape here. I cleansed my heart in vain. Can I tell you young men something, young ladies? You've not cleansed yourself in vain. You've not kept yourself pure in vain. Well, I know this young lady didn't. It worked out okay for her. She got married and life went on. And uh, so you know what? If I do it, God will have mercy on me. It'll go. It may not go that way for you. I'm going to finish this up real quick. For all the day long, I've been plagued and chastened in mourning. <laughs> Boy, I've been here. It's been a complete waste of time. Look at all the good things that's happened to them. And I spend most of my day plagued and chastened every morning. Anybody ever feel that way? It's never good enough. Always negative, always down. I can't even think about doing something wrong. God don't chasten me and deal with me. And these people are going through with it. It's going great for them. That's a pretty desperate picture, isn't it? And if you kept continuing to keep your eyes focused out here, you might find calls to think maybe this man's telling a little bit of the truth. These are just vain imaginations he's having. He said, all the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against a generation of thy children. (laughs) This is is just something. This is just like God, Brother Jones. 
I'm so wore out and beat down and chastened and, and mourning every morning. I'm, I'm going through all these things and I can't even say anything about it anymore because if I say something, it's going to hurt somebody else. I can't even talk to anybody about it. Now, I don't know about you all, but that's a frustrating thought to me. It makes me feel better to unload it on somebody else. I'm just going to be honest with you. But that's not healthy behavior. And I'll tell you why it's not. You think about in a church. The, mind, the Bible says that we're supposed to think on good things, right? Well, if you or I or anybody else in the church goes around and tells people all the problems that are going on, it's hard to think on good things when your mind's filled with all the negative. So I can't, though I want to, I'm talking about me. It makes me feel better. I, I get help from being able to unload. If I do that, if I come to you and tell you, and I 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 tell you, well, what's going on? This one's mad at this one. This one's mad. A lot of people have no idea what a preacher tries to go through and stand up and preach, and has to sit there and know in his mind all that's going on. <laughs> and if I unload all that on you, you're just going to sit there negative like, well, good night. What's the point of coming? You people are nuts. That's not the half of it. You ought to know what God knows. <laughs> So if I say, I, 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 will, I'm, I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to say something about it. I can't because I'll offend against the generation of thy children. Can I, learn, can I give you some advice that I, I'm still learning and God's teaching me as well? Learn, learn how to. Now God records this for us for a purpose, right? It's written for our learning. But generally speaking, it would be better for us to take these things in ourselves and cast our burdens upon the Lord. And the sooner you can learn that at your age, you won't have to try to learn it at 38. Learn now how to cast your burdens upon the Lord. Cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. And that's a little aggravating. You mean I can't even say anything against it? Brother Tone, all the years you've been pastoring, isn't there times you'd have liked to get on the phone and make some phone calls and defended yourself? Well, I'll tell you one thing. That, guy, that may be true what he said, but I'll tell you this. But you couldn't because you know what would have happened. He knows. You know, somebody had just been hurt. So just suffer wrong. Boy, that's a hard lesson to learn. But let's start learning that now at your age. People hurt you. And take it to the Lord. You don't have to run and tell everybody else how somebody mistreated you. Just take it to the Lord. So when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me, and I'm done in three minutes. I told you ten minutes. I'm done in three minutes. Give me three minutes. You're almost out on me. I'm not out sleeping. I mean, out, we're, we're almost done here. When I thought to know this... It was too painful for me. When I wanted to understand it, when I felt like I wanted God to give me an explanation as to why this happens the way that it does, uh, it was just too painful for me uh, to, to, to realize, the, to come to the realization of where things were. I couldn't even discuss it. I'm eat up with these kind of thoughts and I didn't know what to do. And so you know what he did? This is, this is a saved man talking here. Well, you see that through, through the whole thing, in my opinion now. And, um, well, you know what I mean by saved man, right? This is a saint. This is a child of God. 
And he thought to know this, it was too painful for me. But he, you know, he, what he did, he just did what he always knew to do what was right. Don't, can I give you some advice when you feel like this and you're upset and you don't understand and why does this happen? What, just keep doing what you know to do is right. And what you may never figure it out, but I tell you, God may never give you an answer. You may not be able to figure it out. It may not ever fix the problem, but this much I know to do, it's always right to do right. And you can do like Brother Sexton said, uh, the old man Sexton, you need to just do right till the stars fall. And that's what he did. You know what he did? Even feeling this way, he was upset. And then the Bible said in verse number 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. So you know what he's saying there? You start thinking about this now, and you can think about all they're prospering and all they're doing well. They're able to speak and defend themselves and say things, and they're spinning, and their thighs are full of fatness. And, and man, they're just doing nothing but prospering out in the world. And I'm sitting over here and getting chastened all the day long, and I feel like this, and I'm down, and I can't even say much about it because I'm going to be judged if I say too much about it. Even defending yourself sometimes, people will judge you for. I can't do nothing about it (laughs) until I went into the sanctuary. I got no understanding until I went into the sanctuary. I didn't understand it until I come in here on Friday night and I heard somebody start that song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. causing consolations there and dropping that row of faith and rise to the eternal prize and you start listening to all those things and I'll tell you one thing they didn't have they didn't have the peace and presence of God that was in this building on Friday night that much I do know they may prosper out there and you might get by with your crooked dealing friend but you may enjoy that in the world and you may have people fooled but you'll never experience what God's people experience in the presence of his sanctuary You'll never experience that. So no, it wasn't vanity to cleanse your heart and keep your hands clean in the matter because you experience a presence and a joy and the fullness of God in a way they never will. (laughs) Hallelujah. They've never got to experience 40-something years. You've seen some good times in here, ain't you, Brother Ray? Brother Jones, you've seen God move in some mighty ways in here, ain't you? And over there as well. And so I tell you one thing, if anybody ought to be envious of anybody, it ought to be that wicked bunch that you might be able to tell me they seem like they're doing right. But if, they, if, they, if they're saved, I'll tell you this, what they don't have. They don't have the peace and the presence of God that I do by cleansing my heart and keeping my hands clean. Hallelujah. I come in here, I'm telling you, that's the, Brother Reed, they started singing that song. And I'm, your pastor was trying to look as dignified as he could. But I'm telling you, there was something swelled up in my heart talking about every time. I may not be able to tell the world, but I can get down on my knees and get down in that hour of prayer. And all my burdens are lifted. All my cares are taken away. And the presence of God is with me. And I can worship God because my heart's clean and my hands are clean. I can tell you this. That God don't hear their prayers like he does yours. Amen. 
man, you tell, I'm telling you, it pays to do right. It may not seem like it, but I'm telling you, it just pays to just keep doing right. I don't understand all those things, but I promise you, you just keep doing right, my friend. It's going to pay off. Payday someday, that goes positive too. R.G. Lee, I believe that was a negative in what he meant. But I'll tell you, it's a positive for the child of God. We've not wasted our time, and we may have failed in a lot of ways, but we've not wasted our time serving this God. (laughs) You just keep on living right. They're not doing as good as you think, or as much as the devil wants you to think. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Boy, I could just... You know what he did, Brother Reef, for me and you? He set us on a solid rock. And I shall not be moved. And so it looks like they're doing good. Let me, let me put it this way. It looks like they're standing well. It looks like what they're on, their life's got a solid foundation. They're doing great. Can I remind you, they're standing on a wet rock on the creek bank. And it won't take just a little blow of the wind of God and knock them all flat, flatten their face down in the creek. Woo! Amen. They look like they're doing right, but the place they're standing on slippery. You keep doing right, you'll be on solid ground, friend. We got to go, but... All right, let's... Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. They're living a dream. Don't be envious of them. God's going to wake up one day. They are having their best life now. There's coming a day when God wakes up. Won't be no fairy tale dream then. God's a God of justice. And so judge of all the earth shall do right. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was preaching my reign, so foolish was I and ignorant as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Look, life will put you in a place you don't have nobody but God. That's a good place to be, friend. Be upset about that. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What are you looking for? The portion they're getting or the portion God's got for you? It hurts, I know, but I don't want their portion, Brother Jones. I want what God's got for me. He's going to receive me up into glory and he'll be my portion forever. We'll be like them Levites. I don't need a land. I just need God as my inheritance. And my flesh, we're done. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. 
but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. It's good for me. I don't understand it. Can't give you any explanations. Can't even say I agree in the matter. But if it causes you to draw nigh to God, you ain't lost nothing. Lord, we love you. Uh, this, is, this is hard living, Lord. And I, Lord, as one of your servants, I admit I've not often arrived here. But I thank you for the scriptures that help me think right and help me to remember, Lord, nothing I've done in the service of God has been in vain. Doing right, it is worth doing right. So thank you. Now strengthen us, Lord. You're our strength forever. So strengthen us to do right in such difficult times. We love you. Help us to love one another. And I pray this week you'd help our folks that go out in the workforce and go back to working, that you'd help them to take these truths and be a blessing to a godless world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we appreciate you being here tonight.